This is the Water in Real Life podcast, episode two. Welcome to the Water in Real Life podcast with the H2 Duo. The H2 Duo believe that if you desire to build the right relationships with your customers and thereby overcome many of the challenges you face, then your ability to connect with them through storytelling is essential. The Water in Real Life podcast will inspire, instruct, and insight action that will help you better connect with your customers. Hear inspiring stories and learn about valuable resources that you can start using today. Let's get real. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast dedicated to bridging the gap between water providers and water users. We'll be diving into the components of storytelling, communication, outreach, and education, as well as chatting about professional and personal development. In today's episode, we're chatting with Travis Sloop, Director of Communication and Public Outreach for the Water Environment Federation. Travis is going to give us insight into how allowing others to tell your story can actually help you, staying laser focused on creating messaging that your customer wants to know, and he ends with explaining why we'd all benefit from being a little more like a duck. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Professionally, he has nearly 20 years of experience in media and communications. Travis is the host of the WEF Words on Water podcast. He previously served as Director of Communications for the Office of Water at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and as a speechwriter and a communicator communications manager for the governor of Hawaii. Aloha! (laughs) Travis also worked for eight years in the media as a newspaper reporter and editor in North Carolina, Washington, D.C., and Hawaii. Um, So thank you for being here with us, Travis. Yeah, I'm super psyched to be here. Aloha, back to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is there any holes in that uh, bio that you want to fill in for us? I know that bios can be either really long or really short. So is there anything you want to add to that? Well, no, I think I think that's pretty good. I think my uh, personal bio blends in with that professional bio. You know, nice. I say that I care about clean water a lot personally, so I'm happy to work on it professionally. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a father, so clean water matters because of that. I'm a surfer and a paddler and a swimmer, so I need clean water for all those things. True. I love be, being out in nature, and then, uh, yeah, I'm a fan of beer, which clean water <laughs> is needed for, so. Absolutely. Um, and just for anyone tuning in who isn't quite sure, there's two major water associations in the United States. Um, and maybe there's more, Travis, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But the two biggest ones that come to my mind are AWWA, which is the American Water Works Association, and WEF, which is the Water Environment Federation. Um, so AWWA tends to focus on the drinking water side of it while, I mean, they kind of include everything, but the WEF is much stronger with the uh, wastewater and stormwater side. Is that an accurate differentiation between the two? Yeah, that's that's totally right. So I'll just I'll just give you the boilerplate on WEF. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it is an association of like 35,000 people that work in the wastewater and stormwater sectors. Engineers, utility managers, plant operators, scientists, regulators, students uh, in the US and around the world. And so we focus on educating them, on providing technical information, on advocating on their behalf, uh, providing resources, and we throw the biggest water quality party in the world, WEFTEC, every year. Nice. Which we are excited to be attending for the first time yes. in October, correct? Yeah, October. it's yeah. going to be amazing. 
We are very excited um, to to do that for the first time. Um, and I would say that, you know, we say a lot of times that water in general isn't sexy in terms of like what people pay attention to. But if you want to talk about even within water, like wastewater and stormwater often <laughs> are even further unsexy, but they're so critically important to just life as we know it that people just don't under that don't understand or don't know much about so we're we're really excited to be more involved with WEF um funny that it took us leaving our city jobs to get more involved in WEF (laughs) but um I I think that's a good point you made about uh it's not sexy and I think that's because people don't really understand like where the a lot of people don't understand where the water actually goes when they flush their toilet or they are running their sink or taking a shower Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people don't know where it comes from when it's coming out of their tap. Um, that's so that's something our sector needs to do more and more is yeah. uh, educate people on that. And what's really crazy is that in the last city that we worked for, um, the cost of wastewater per thousand gallons had actually exceeded the cost of water um, to get water per thousand gallons. And a lot of it has to do with what goes down the drain in the toilet that's not supposed to by, you know, by humans. So there's so much room for opportunity in teaching uh, everybody all about water, even the even the part that makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we, uh, you know, we stalk each other on Twitter and everything. Right. So yes, you might sir. have seen uh, I recently put up a tweet. I got my water bill. And so I took a picture of the rates. And yeah. it's the same for me. I pay. Three eighty four, three dollars and eighty four cents for every thousand gallons of drinking water, mm-hmm. and I pay four dollars and eighty four cents for every thousand gallons of wastewater. Yeah. So I'm paying more for my wastewater. I'm all good with that. Yeah, yes. I know. I, I know what it takes. Mm-hmm. I'm all good with those rates. Um, yeah. So that's 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 like a third of a penny for a gallon of water to drink. I'll take and that a half a cent for someone to take my waste and make it clean. I mean, yeah. make the water clean. So yeah, good deal. Good, good deal. deal. And you yeah. know, in, in, a, in a bind, if you absolutely needed to, you might be able to, at least from a drinking water perspective, be able to go to the store and get some bottled. However, we would never want to promote that. But I mean, there's really no <laughs> substitute to wastewater services. I mean, there's, yeah, right, there's nothing. Right, right. <laughs> there is no ability to... Go to a convenience store and help that situation out. They don't sell that at Walmart. So, um, <laughs> but nice that you brought up Twitter because that's actually how we met you. Was that I? Uh, I guess it was either shortly after you had just launched the Words on Water podcast. I saw, of course, the biggest uh, water fan on Twitter, George Hawkins, gave you a shout out uh, on the Words on Water podcast, and I was like, okay. This guy is uh, friends with the Hawk and he's launching a podcast like what's this guy all about? And it's funny because you just I don't know if you have your Twitter uh, bio memorized, but (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that I went to Twitter and I saw that your bio was my cause clean water because I'm a father, surfer, paddler, nature guy and beer fan. Um, and then, of course, we the, immediately said we were besties with this guy. Yeah, yeah we were like, <laughs> we, we need go. to be friends with this guy. So. Um, just to give you some insight into Travis, we reached out to him because we were obviously considering launching our own podcast and we reached out to him and from the get go, you've been nothing but just an open book and a resource for us and helping us, um, not only with this, but we got a chance to meet you in real life at the utilities management conference in February in San Antonio. And, um, it was like kindred spirits, uh, immediately out the gate and, Um, 
Travis has told me now that he sees himself as a connector, but he 100% proved that initially at the very yeah, first get-go. For sure. He put, you want to talk about this? Uh, well, area? I mean, I, I just remember he's like, okay, come, come to this brewery. And we were like, okay, sure. And we're sitting around this table, and it's with a bunch of people. And it turns out it's this motley crew um, or a watery crew or whatever you want to call it um, of a guy who makes his own beer out of wastewater. Is that what he does? Mark. Mark. And then you've got um, Barry. Barry from WEF. And then you've got um, the Water Research Foundation people. Yeah, our I mean, worst it was guy. Just this amazing group of people that we would no, we would have never connected with, you know, one-on-one, probably had even any time to do that, um, without your help to say, you, 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 y'all need to come to this, this one table, let's have some beer and let's talk. Yeah. And that's what we did. And that was so awesome for us. Which, uh, yeah. I like to hang out with people I like, right? So <laughs> I'm like, oh, these people are all cool. They'll all be cool together. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just come together. I love and it. water, water is like the connector, right? So you all, each of them, me, we're in different parts of the water sector, but it's right. still the water sector. Um, I was recently at Water Week in D.C. and in a room with, I guess, like 200 people. And I looked around and there was like all these people from different chapters of my water life. Isn't that uh, awesome? And it was like this, uh, it felt like I was at a family reunion. Yeah. I got like this, this, you know, really happy feeling. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I get to catch up with this person and that person. Uh, and somebody else put on, I think, LinkedIn, you know, we're all one tribe. It's our exactly. water tribe. Yes. Yeah, as um, big as the industry feels, it's also tiny. Mm-hmm. You know, you seem to get yeah. to know everybody quick. It's it's pretty neat, and it's always been a family feeling. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also want to, I want to go back real quick to what you said about the podcast thing, and, and that's like I just want to congratulate the two of you for kicking off the podcast, <laughs> and it's awesome. Uh, and I think that there's room – I've been helpful because there's room for – lots of storytelling in water. You know, there's so many things happening. There's so many people to talk to. We all have our different styles. We all have our different angles. And so, you know, it's not, it's not competition. It's all complimentary. Yeah. I love that. Well, we still consider you the uh, podcast master for the time being. So (laughs) the godfather of water podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'm, I'm assuming that it's that power of being a connector that um, kind of, from which words of on water was birthed. So, um, you, congrats on fifteen thousand downloads, yeah. by the way. Yeah, I have, thank you. I have a. Uh, I hope people keep listening, if only because my son has a bet with me that I won't get to thirty thousand by the end of the year. Done. Ooh, um, challenge so, accepted. Yes, that's a big number, but. Uh, so anyway, I think if I get to 30,000, he has agreed to come on and do an episode talking about the views of water from a 10-year-old perspective. Oh, awesome. my gosh. I hope he does that yes. either way. That would be awesome. Yes. Um, and you're already halfway there, and it's only May. So I, I see you definitely yeah. definitely getting there. And I hope anyone that listens to us or anyone who follows us on social media will um, continue to make those downloads so um do you want to tell us real quick like how that came to be like what was this your baby yeah Yeah, totally it it was you know I was uh 
I was always into journalism from the beginning. You know, it's something I did like in high school and throughout college. And it was my first eight years or so out of college was being a newspaper reporter and editor. And so I always just liked talking to people and telling stories that way. And at the Water Environment Federation, I started last year and I listened to podcasts myself and I was like, and I'm a big fan of them. So I was like, hey, I should start one of these. So uh, WEF was completely supportive and off awesome. uh, off it went. That is awesome. What are some of the podcasts that you listen to? I don't, I don't listen to as many, but it, it really started with Radio Lab, which oh, okay. is out of uh, New York City, out of with the public. It's affiliated with the public radio station there, I think. Um, I listened actually to to uh, the Joe Rogan experience. Okay, uh, yeah. He was like, my wife's like, why do you listen to the Fear Factor guy? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, he's so much. He's kind of a, he has a lot of philosophical views on stuff and all that. But um, I mean, those are the two I listen to regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to listen to, to like those kind of story things. And also, um, I was a philosophy major in college. So really? I, kind of, I listen to those thinker kind of podcasts. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, love it. I like it. The irony is that this whole thing was Arianne's idea, but yet Arianne never listened to podcasts. And so the first <laughs> podcast that Arianne listened to was the one re-recorded with Tom Ferguson from yeah. Imagine H2O. That was her first podcast was ours. <laughs> wow. Hey. I mean, I've good. like I've listened to yours and stuff, but I'm a mom of three kids and I literally never have time. And I'm not just a mom of three kids, three babies. They're all like right. three and under. And so I I'm just I don't know. I've never had a phone that was podcast friendly and then I <laughs> and then I have one now and then I don't have time. And so I've like listened to yours um, here and there on the on our computers and stuff, but it was just funny. I was sitting there, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I've never even like I want to do a podcast, but I don't really know anything about them." <laughs> yeah, you know what? In some in some things in life, it's good to have no preconceived notions yeah. or really like an idea. Like it, and you know, make it more creative that way. Make it good. ours. <laughs> um, I will have to say that um, actually, uh, in a blog that we wrote, we actually cited your interview with Melissa from I'm just blanking on that. Oh, Arcadis. Puerto from Puerto Rico. Yes. Arcadis, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, I was sitting in my car in the parking lot at I think Office Depot or something like that. And she got to the it was the very beginning of it where she was talking about how everyone else was racing to get out of Puerto Rico and she was trying to get on a flight to get in. And yeah. I don't know why, but that totally like my t- my eyes welled up a little bit and I was like, oh my God. And like, yeah. that, was, that was such a great interview, especially on the topic of resiliency, which yeah. needs to be talked more about in our industry. But that was a great, I went on a tangent there for a little bit, but that was, uh, yeah. that's one of my faves. <clears throat> and that's, and that's the whole thing that I know we'll dive into is that, uh, there's so, like I said, there's so many great stories in water. There are so many great storytellers out there. There's mm-hmm. so many people doing amazing things in all different facets of water. So it's like, put on the mic and let them talk. Exactly. Which takes me to, um, in one of our, cause we've been emailing back, back and forth a lot because of your, um, involvement in the catalyst mastermind summit that we're having in June that you're a part of. And in one of those emails, and I have this quoted, you said that um, our sector is often most successful when others tell our story for us, make it more relevant to people, validate us from the outside, show a different angle, et cetera. So 
I really want to spend like some time kind of expanding on that idea um, because you really made me think when you said that because Arianne and I, um, we preach a lot to tell your own story. And when we say that, we've meant don't let the media or don't let random people on social media tell your story for you. And so I thought that was really interesting that you said to help to let others kind of tell it for you. So to help you, validate it, yeah. Yeah, to help validate it, which is like 100%. Um, so you want to, I'll give you the opportunity to kind of like say where your brain was at where <laughs> when you type that and kind of your thoughts on that. Man, I thought I was just writing a line in an email. I didn't know I'd have to explain myself. You changed Whoa. my, you changed my <laughs> life. You did. You changed our thought process. It's just, just um, yeah. I mean, I guess there's a couple ways I can go there. Uh, you know, part of it goes back to I was at the U.S. Environmental uh, Environmental Protection Agency for over seven years and involved in so many different projects and regulations um, and things like that. And, you know, people do listen to the EPA, but people have a lot of stereotypes and baggage and doubt and all that kind of stuff. And so we were often most successful when we got other people to talk about the value of our work and what we were doing to have, uh, you know, someone that's involved in recreational fishing talk about why these streams need to be protected because they fish there. And then all of a sudden that story gets out to that audience that would not be listening to EPA. Right. Um, You know, so using, using people like that to tell stories for you. Um, I think there's a lot of, I think it parallels in the utility sector um, really, really well. I mean, I think utilities are pretty trusted entities and people listen to them, um, especially if that utility talks regularly to Mm -hmm. its customers and is transparent. Um, but also, I think there's opportunities to get others involved in telling that utility story. I know there's parts of the country where they do that, use conservation groups to talk mm-hmm. about why we need these discharges to be clean here, or we need to protect this because this is actually a source of drinking water. Uh, biosolids are great because our farmers use these and depend on them. Mm-hmm. Stories, stories like that. Um, do you yeah. do you have any um, kind of insight into like ways that utilities can sort of foster those relationships and get, um, I mean, even to know how to kind of look for those stories or to create those relationships to, I mean, to me, that makes yeah. me think a lot about PR where you're kind of earning your media versus paying for it. So um do you have like any kind of insight into how utilities could work harder or work better at making those kinds of connections? Yeah. I mean, I would say, first of all, that you and you guys know this, that there's utilities out there that are doing a terrific job yes. with this exact approach, mm-hmm. like forging those connections with yeah. state stakeholders in the community that are then allies uh, when it comes time to raise rates or do a project or get a permit renewed or whatever it might be. So, uh, this is a case where my first instinct is to let them tell the story rather than me because I'm just kind of a – I'm a straw. I'm like the past. <laughs> right? um, but, but that's exactly it. I mean I know that it's uh, some of these key words about transparency, about relationships. Uh, don't just show up when you need something. Uh, right? Yeah. Like put it – 
put in the work on the front end and uh, can you let say that one people, more time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let let these groups know what you're up to and and what you're trying to accomplish in a few years. Um, make sure they come in and see things. Mm-hmm. Um, take time to learn about what they're doing, so you right. can really understand what their goals are and and who their audience is. So. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's really just about like relationship building, transparency, uh, keeping people involved all the time. And then when you need something or you're trying to get something really important done, there's a great chance that they'll be there for you. Absolutely. Um, I love you did mention consistency. So can you talk for just a little more about kind of the value of communicating consistently and not just showing up either once a year in that water quality report or once a year or once when something's going bad, when something's wrong. Um, talk a little bit more about the value of consistency. Yeah, I mean, and that definitely it goes both ways. So I've heard I'm not going to mention names, but I've heard <laughs> and I think it's fairly prevalent where utilities have a bunker mentality and they just kind of stay down there and they mail out the water bill and they mail out that consumer confidence report or whatever it is. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's time to raise rates by X percent and they pop up and they, and people are like, have no idea what that utility is doing on right. an ongoing basis. They mm-hmm. don't know what the utility is investing in, what their projects are. They don't know the people that work there, the faces. Um, so it's a lot tougher sell in that situation. And then, Places like, as you mentioned, D.C. Water, um, a lot of people, not a lot, but a good number do what D.C. Water has done, what George Hawkins did, and that is getting getting their faces out there in front of the public and regularly having town hall meetings, right. telling people what they're doing, being on social media. Being hey, yeah. we're, having, we're having these issues with water quality. This is what we want to be doing. This is where we want to be in five years. If we spend this, we will get that. Um, and just like the constant education and communication to where the public sees the value of what you do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I loved that at you, this past February was the first time that Ariane and I had been able to go to the utilities management conference, but it was probably one of like the best that we've been yeah. to. And we were incredibly inspired by the fact that we heard so many people at these upper level positions like the directors and engineers. Um, Tom Hickman was one of them who from Bend who was talking about how uh, (laughs) he said that for his for his midlife crisis, instead of getting a fancy car, he sent himself back to school and and uh, he was doing his thesis on how the value of public communication to master planning and water. Basically, he said he wanted to prove that communication was all this fluff and that it wasn't really needed and that he actually completely turned, like, <laughs> proved himself wrong and it, he completely changed the way that he operates in communication is like the number one focus of uh, his utility now. And so hearing an engineer say yeah, that. that was like. We were slow clapping oh, in the audience. Yes, yeah. it was yeah. amazing. Um, but and, the, and that he was a convert, right? Yes, oh, it awesome. big time. It's awesome that he set out to prove that communication didn't matter. Yeah. And that he discovered the truth. Yes. Exactly. And so just like stories <laughs> like that just uh, just pumped us up. And um, But like you talk to a lot more people on a regular basis through your podcast. Do you kind of have a sense from on the streets 
of water? Like, is that is that really a trend? I mean, are, are me and Ariane just like wishful thinking and dreaming that this is the direction? Or do you see that? Yeah. I mean, from everything I see and hear, it seems to be real. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's it is constantly talked about at conferences. Um, it's constantly talked about in a lot of different publications. You see people. What I see is I seem to follow utilities that do a lot of creative stuff on social media. Um, So it seems like it's a trend, but there are 15,000 wastewater (laughs) plants in the country and like 150,000 drinking water plants. Those aren't (laughs) utilities, but actual, you know, facilities. Um, But anyway, so there's a lot out there and it's, it's resource intensive. You have to have people on staff, mm-hmm. hire them, hire them. Uh, you have to have people <laughs> on staff to, to do that kind of job. They have to be empowered to be creative. Exactly. Uh, they have to have um, officials and leaders that can get up and speak. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not just a mindset, but you have to actually, it takes work too. So the yeah. Higher behavior change. Hire them or outsource them. Shout out. Um, <laughs> so That's right. I think one of the one of the reasons, you know, going speaking to that point is that um, there's some kind of like fear based hesitation to kind of put yourself out there. And um, I think a lot of times what happens is when they're thinking about what their message is going to be, they're almost anticipating too much what they think the response is going to be. And that sometimes keeps them from even like taking the step towards conveying the message. Um, so while Ariane and I were talking, you can, do you have something to say to that? You can say something to that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, you look no. like you, I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, I, to- I totally agree. I think that um, that happens in responding to the media. I mean, you see yeah. that not just in the water sector, but like in all different types of fields. Um, people are scared to talk to the press because they think the press is coming to eat them alive yeah. mm-hmm. and that they're going to, and that they're going to mess up. They think that the, the cons outweigh the pros. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you are prepared and you have people that are preparing you and you have that regular relationship with the media, uh, that's yeah. another key part of it is you have to, you have to have the relationship with the press too, or they're yeah. going to be skeptical, skeptical. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, and, and so in talking about that, when Ariane and I were talking about this podcast today that we're doing right now, um, we, in preparing for this actually took a podcast course by, um, entrepreneur on fire, John Lee Dumas. I don't want to say his name wrong, Dumas. but Dumas, John Lee Dumas. And, um, in the very beginning of that, we were tasked with creating our avatar for this um, oh. for this podcast and really like nailing down who our audience is because he was like, you're going to have so many questions that you're going to be asking yourself, but you need to remember that if you have this solid avatar that you can come back this essentially audience, you can come back and say, it's not about me. It's and about, what I want to hear. It's about what your avatar, what would your avatar want to hear? So our like avatar's name is Karen. So when we when we plan this, we're like, well, what would Karen want to listen to? Yeah. <laughs> what would Karen care about? Yeah, and we have the, all those attributes of who Karen is. I'm using air quotes, Karen. Um, but you know, Ariane brought up the point that was like that would be super cool if utilities instead of like doing kind of that building themselves up with that fear, instead say, okay, 
This isn't about what I want to say, but what would my, their Karen want to hear from me? I need to take myself out of this and look from the perspective of a customer and ask myself, okay, if this was happening in my utility, how would I want my utility to tell me and kind of approach it from that way? So we wanted to ask you just because we literally brainstormed that like an hour ago, 30 minutes ago, we wanted to like just... (laughs) Toss that one out and see what you thought about that idea. (laughs) I mean, uh, that is a terrific idea. It's actually um, in media relations also when you're preparing messaging and you're preparing for an interview, uh, don't think of yourself as talking to that reporter. Think about talking to your Karen. Like yeah. who are you trying to reach with that interview? Yeah. Um, so so don't talk to answer that reporter's questions and, and try to educate them. Talk to get your messages to who your important uh, audience person is on the other side. So, and you do the same thing. You create, who am I talking to? I'm talking to Joe. Joe's 52. He lives in the burbs. He's going to be voting. He's on the fence this year. Uh, he had, yeah. you know, what, what do I want to tell Joe? And you yeah. make sure you get that out in your interview. So wow. it, goes, it goes that way too. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad really you brought in that perspective. pressure off of the speaker, I feel like. And, and even as a podcaster, it makes me feel, you know, okay, it's not about me and what I need to figure out. It's what do they really need or want to hear? I love it. And that's like such a more comfortable way to do um, like media training for uh, okay for a utility. Sorry, Sorry Ariane's playing with my hair. Right? Taking the hair off of my face. Um, that's such a uh, a better way to media train like a <laughs> director is to be like okay. Let's not freak out about this person who's going to be standing in front of you with a camera and a microphone, but we need you to just visualize bleh. And it's right. funny, the, the name I keep coming to is this guy named Scott Bauman. I have to give him a shout, shout out. out. He is like <laughs> the biggest water fan in Mansfield. He is so awesome. He works for Freeze and Nichols. Freeze and Nichols and is not even in part of the water. Um, I think he's like IT. Yeah, he's like an IT, but he's like the biggest water fan and we adore him. So yeah. when we were like thinking about this and having this conversation, we were like, gosh, what should those directors be saying to Scott? Like, yeah. <laughs> What's up, Scott? What's up, Scott? <laughs> Oh, he is going to lose it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, So it doesn't necessarily have to be something from the podcast. Um, Just maybe in your experience with WEF or even with the EPA, like, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but do you have like a success story that kind of sticks out in your mind as when communication and a utility or a um, governmental agency has really used that to kind of save the day and create change or averted a larger problem by just being communicating? Oh, boy. Um, well, I don't know. This has made me wonky. Uh, <laughs> we like wonky. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking up stuff on my wall, and I'm like, okay, I could talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, I want to see this so, wall. Yeah. <laughs> It, so it is wonky. So the Chesapeake Bay is, you know, the nation's largest oh, yeah. estuary. And so I worked there on kind of the whole restoration cleanup effort. And we were trying to develop a new pollution diet, a, a giant TMDL for the mm-hmm. water nerds, total maximum daily load. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's the largest of its kind. And so this was like involving six states, Washington, D.C., thousands of counties, uh, and a multi-year process, uh, and this was where we, <clears throat> the government is like, we're coming to set 
restrictions on how much nitrogen and phosphorus you can let go in the Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really, it wasn't one silver bullet, but it was that getting out there. And we did a uh, six-week, 24-city tour of the watershed wow. where we that went and sat. Awesome. We had like one-on-one meetings with uh, agriculture groups or uh, industry groups. We sat down with editorial boards. We held town halls. We did local re- uh, media interviews. And there were, of course, people in the end that ultimately opposed, um, you know, the work because there always are. But it was able to get finalized and set. And it's it's the largest, most unique kind of its uh, type wow. of TMDL nice. in the country. And I think that just like the massive outreach um as part of what did that. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I think with water, we have to make it local for people, like as local and personal as you can get it. And time after time, I've seen that being a key to success in communications. Uh, So with the Chesapeake Bay, people in Pennsylvania and New York and West Virginia, you know, they didn't they didn't really care about the Chesapeake Bay that far downstream, yeah. but what they ca- they cared about the river in their town where they'd go fishing. Yeah. Um, so you, you get you get people to make that connection to where they are and what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's kind of been a big key. Nice. I well, I love that idea of all of those different people coming together for with a common goal. I guess that's um, that's an amazing story, and that kind of brings me to. Um, this question to where I don't want to make this all seem just utility focused, like, oh, I mean, if you guys only just did this or that, everything would be better. I mean, I really 100 percent believe that the the future of water is 100 percent dependent upon utilities working with their customers and customers working with their utility. I think it's a two way road. Um, and so. Is there something that you think that customers or like the stakeholders can do better to work with their utility or to mm-hmm. move forward uh, this mark to get us to the next level that we want to get to? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm just coming off the top of the bat. What can I think of there? I guess, <laughs> uh, you know, if there are people in the public, if there are ratepayers, if there's customers, members of the community, who support what a utility is doing, they can be an ambassador for what the utility is doing and they can tell their neighbors about it uh, and they can, you know, help educate their friends and and put stuff up to spread the word. Um, I I think that it's really key that the community supports, vocally supports the utility. Yes. Yes, I agree. And and we we really... um, challenge or not maybe not challenge but we really like hope that people will begin to if they have questions that they come to their utility first instead of um self-diagnosing by going on the internet you know I took psychology in college and the first thing and this was before like really like google was like a thing you know and (laughs) and uh the professor was like okay I don't want any of you to start self-diagnosing yourself on like WebMD because ultimately like we all have something, you know, and it, and if you take some of these things that you're learning. And so, I mean, you got to go to the source. And I really would like for um, people to feel more comfortable coming to their utilities to ask these questions. But on the flip side, 
we want utilities to be prepared for that. <laughs> I, I really like that idea. I, I see where you're getting at in having uh, members of the public that wonder about something. Uh, don't just go with whatever rumor is circulating out there exactly. or don't just go to the newspaper about it. Actually try to get the information from the utility. And But then your point is also key. Where does that person go mm-hmm. to get the information? Well, mm-hmm. Are the the people that answer the phone, just customer service, are they prepared to answer questions? Or at least can they take the customer's info and have somebody get back to them who can? Yeah. Um, yeah. Are they answering questions on Facebook, you know, that are posted mm-hmm. or things that are tweeted at them? Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a resources issue for sure, too. Definitely. Or, and just, you know, that's a for us also a training issue, too, and just making sure that Um, If there is sort of kind of a media crisis going on that there's the foresight to be like, hey, team, we need to get together. This is kind of what's going on in our neighborhood. Um, We kind of need to all be afloat of what's happening. And then kind of giving your utility billing people who are probably going to be the people who are the first line of of defense, if you will. Like if you can't answer a question, do not feel like you have to. I mean, I think the public should be understanding that. If as long as utilities are getting back to them in a timely manner um, and and are responding, that they shouldn't expect maybe that very first person that they talk to when they call to be able to give them an answer, especially if it's related to any sort of like treatment or um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like what Alex says, like the the day to day operations of, of yeah. the utility. You know, like I'm a I'm a utility billing person. I'm. I am mostly tasked with the billing, you know, so I'm not a I'm not a water treatment plant operator, so I'm not going to be answer those kinds of questions. But um, that's our goal in life is to one day (laughs) strengthen that relationship between um, customers and their utility, because um, I know it's government and I know I know that you did say that utilities are a trusted entity and, and they are. But. The people that kind of have some skepticism towards government are obviously going to lump them in with that. And, you know, we everyone that we've been blessed to work with has been kind of salt to the earth and just has best intentions. And just being able to communicate the amazing people who work in our industry from the WEF directors of communication to the um, to our guys out there in the field. So, yeah, I mean, and I think that. uh if a utility has that regular outreach and regular communications and regular transparency, that if some customer or some citizen notices something and wonders what's up, they'll get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt and they'll yeah. get a little, they'll have a little more patience in having that utility respond. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you have a terrific utility in your town that's doing awesome progressive stuff, you're going to be like, and your friend Bob is like, oh, there's there's something over here. They're doing something. You're going to be like, nah, I don't know, Bob. That's me kind of <laughs> – I don't think so. These guys are awesome. Yeah. We hate Bob. No, just kidding. <laughs> we don't yeah. hate you, Bob. We just want to educate you. Come yeah. come ask us a question. <laughs> um, go ahead. The, if, no. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. Turn. All right. Uh, no, that's right here. Oh, okay. We're going to go give you our, like, little fire round of uh, <laughs> of quick questions. All right, all right. You ready? I always watch like those shows on ESPN. I'm like, I want to answer questions like that. Come on, I'll give you my hot take. Let's okay. go. Okay, hot take, hot You're... take, hot take on a book, vlog, blog, 
whatever. <laughs> recommend your, what one. What do you recommend for people to listen to? Anyone. Could be or, anyone. Read. Uh, or read. Or read. Okay, so I think uh, bridging a bunch of my different interests, people should read Blue Mind by Ooh. Dr. Wallace Nichols. And it's about the psych- uh, how being around and in water helps us to be oh. mentally, emotionally healthier. It's a, it's a total, it. you know psychological, spiritual like kind of physically thing. physically in the, the water. It's or the ions. Absolutely. Yeah. So it really is physically in and not just like around because water itself is just completely, that's my zen. My zen place yeah. is near water. Which so Absolutely. I, so I was super jealous to hear that. I don't surf, but I was super jealous to hear that you that you did surf, but that you were near water this morning because I would have loved to have. Surfable uh, water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and the whole blue mind thing is about is it's about the actual science. It's not just like, you know, the fluffy hippie <laughs> side of it. In but the it's water, like there, man. there is actually something scientific just going on. Just put your toes here. in yeah. the water, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. OK. Um. So do you have something that you do every morning or maybe every night that drives your productivity? A it's routine? part of your Travis Loop's routine. What, what does Travis Loop do on a day-to-day I, basis? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, uh, when it comes to work, it's coffee. Um, <laughs> but I, so I don't have any specific routine. I really, I really honestly don't. Um, I just, I just roll with it. I just, like I said before, I have all those things that are, are part of me, um, so I am pers- deeply personally driven by the water mission. Nice. How that's, often that's, do you get that's, to that's surf? Um, I mean, it depends on the waves, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect <Nice>. answer. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, if I, if I could go surfing um, a couple times a week, then, then that's really good. But with work, travel, and other True. stuff, and the ocean has to cooperate too. I guess, exactly. I guess that so, whole thing. Um, yeah. What's okay? This is not part of the fire round, but like, <laughs> um, oh no, I lost my train of thought about surfing. Something about surfing. I, yeah, let's talk about surfing. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> Tangent rabbit hole. Um, let me think about it for a second. What is your? Oh, what time in the morning do you wake up to surf? <laughs> like, is this like a 4.30 so a.m.? This is, this or is, just like- this is I, I, I do not like mornings. I do not get up in the mornings. I am, I am, grum- I am grumpy about the mornings. But like my, so my wife is like seething at the fact that I could pop out of bed um, where I used to live yeah. at four o'clock and drive two hours to go surf someplace. Nice. I, don't, I don't have to do that now, but I mean, like, it's all about motivation, right? Yeah. I have that, that. That ultimate motivation. That's right. That's funny. Gosh, you remind me of my husband, how he can't be on time to anything except for work. I mean, I'm I'm (laughs) glad that he can be at work on time, but like, I guess you got to have that motivation. Yeah. So do you have um, like a favorite quote that fires you up or that sticks in your head 24 seven? Yeah. Um, I don't have a quote, but I'll, uh, I'll just share. It's not a visual that the people on the podcast can see, but Ooh, so I have this little, I have a little, uh, <laughs> yellow rubber duck. Right. And, uh, I've always had one on my desk since back when I worked at newspapers and it's about, this is more about a, anybody working or in life is you got to kind of be like the duck, you know how the water, their feathers are. So the yes. water just rolls off their back. Yes. Um, 
And, you know, you just got to roll with things. You can't get too stressed. You can't get too flat or frazzled. Um, you know, just got to roll with it. Let the water roll off you like a duck and keep on paddle. You got to migrate a little bit here and there, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I love it. And, and I mean, a, a duck is a water animal, right? Yeah, yes, for sure. <laughs> Especially a rubber ducky species. <laughs> <laughs> I have quite a few of those in my house. <laughs> um, all right. So our final question for you, Mr. Loop, and we so appreciate you spending some time with us today, um, is really in our experience, we have found that something as simple as water can be a catalyst for change and can bring people together um, and that you can find it pretty much anywhere. Hence, the reason our um, podcast is called Water in Real Life. <laughs> um, but a lot of times people don't make a change because they think, oh, I'm just one person. It doesn't matter if I change or not. Um, but we 100% disagree and believe that change is actually contagious. And so people can will often imitate what they see closest to them. So what's a call to action that you're most passionate about? And is there a simple change that you believe one person can make that can ultimately change the world? So I can't believe this is one of your questions. I was, um, as I was thinking about the podcast and you asked, uh, what's the one, what's one thing? Um, I was thinking about how people get overwhelmed by the global situation or mm -hmm, they get overwhelmed yeah. by the scale of a problem like yep. climate change or the dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. And they're like, and then they get overwhelmed by the 5,000 things they can do to make a difference, right? right. Like, Dip, stop using plastic straws or turn off the water when you're brushing your teeth or it's like, but I'm just like, just do one thing. Just one, that, one that's thing. my advice is not, not about which specific thing, but it's just like pick one thing. That's yeah. it. Yep. Um, start, start with something. That's it. And yeah. it's just, you know, then that will become a behavior you don't even think about anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you can add another thing. So don't be overwhelmed. Just pick one thing. Um, do something in your sphere of influence in your community. So I love that answer. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I don't um, want it to be over. I know. We want to keep on. <laughs> don't worry. We'll have a. We'll bring you back on another yeah. time. Yeah. We're gonna flip it away. We're gonna flip it around and uh, have you guys on mine. There yes. you go. I like yeah. that. Um, right. <laughs> for everyone listening, definitely uh, check out Words on Water podcast at wordsonwaterwef.com. Um, Travis has a download goal, so we need to download 30,000. Right, what's, our, what's our date? What's our deadline? Just by the end of 2018, okay. I have to get to 30,000. 30,000, so. so we can get this 10-year-old and get his perspective. Yes, and yeah, then yeah. we'll uh, bring on my 12-year-old and see what she has to say about it, too. That would be pretty awesome. And you can well, follow. Can, can I ahead. Yeah, for sure. A quick, a, a quick addendum to my what people can do is <laughs> oh, yes. I think that's one of the best things is educating kids. Oh, yeah. Yes. They have they have all the influence on their parents, and then they're going to be in charge. Frighteningly enough, sooner than we know it. Um, so you know, educate educate kids. That's right. You can follow Travis um, on Twitter at Travis Loop. Is there any other way people can connect with you or follow you with what you're doing, or is that good? Twitter's good. The podcast's good. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and connect oh, on yeah. there. 
Yeah. That's right. So Travis is also going to be speaking at Catalyst, our mastermind summit in San Antonio, June 21st and 22nd. It's not even a conference. The Catalyst experience is going to be amazing. And it's the type of focus that the water sector needs. So congrats on that, too. Thank you. Thank you. Very excited. We at Rogue Water have been uh, fortunate to partner with San Antonio Water System, TAWWA, and WEAT to put together an incredible collection of professionals who we are grateful to call our friends who are going to lend their time, talent, and passion to water educators and communicators that we believe are going to take the water industry to the next level. So if you want to take part in that, want more information, want to register, you can check that out at roguewatergroup.com backslash catalyst. And um, we're kicking off our podcast series with interviews from our Catalyst Thought Leaders. Travis is speaking during our tribal collaboration section of Catalyst, and he'll be joined by Tom Ferguson from Imagine H2O. And you can check out his Tom's um, podcast on episode one, and then he'll be followed um, after Travis will be Greg Wukash of Saws, who is going to be episode three. That wraps up episode two. Thanks for checking it out. Be sure to find our show notes at the h2duo.com podcast page. If you enjoyed the episode, we'd also like to hear from you. You can give us a shout out on Twitter. You can check us out at the underscore h2duo. We'd love to hear you and get your feedback. Shout out to our podcast producer, the one and only Ryan Beltran, founder of Alequa, which hosts the Make Water Project. He's a true water rock star, y'all, and you should definitely check him out at makewater.org. See what he's up to, or you can also follow him on Instagram. We hope you learned something new, got a little inspired, and most importantly, took action on something today that will move you one step closer to your goal. Until the next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, those who tell the stories rule the world. Mm